Hey, what's up everyone? This is Dr. Hanur Singh. I am a physical therapist, yoga instructor, and movement practitioner. And you are listening to Movement with Noor. Hey, what's up everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Movement with Noor, where we get to invite on practitioners and scholars on the topic of movement. Today I'm really excited because on this very episode we have Sarah Strangfield who has an eclectic movement background uh, from competitive cheerleading to gymnastics to yoga to rock climbing and in this podcast we get to dive into it all, how it all interconnects, what are some of my experiences in acro yoga, dancing and how that can all build a finer movement background. So I'm really excited and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Sarah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, just to give a little background on how we met, what was going on, um, I got to meet you uh, when we were doing uh, gymnastics the very first time. It was just I came in Thursday night to the rock climbing gym and I saw a bunch of people were doing flips and asked if I could join. And at that point, I had my back walk over. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't come from any gymnastics experience. I got my back walk over at age 25 and I told you I wanted a back handspring. And then you were the first to tell me that these are some of the steps, these are some of the drills. It was very exciting for me, and now I have a back handspring. A lot of it thanks to your help and Thomas and other people. Um, why don't you just go ahead and give a little bit of introduction of yourself? Uh, what are some of the movement genres that you've gotten to dive into? And uh, maybe like even a little bit of what you enjoy about them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm Sarah, and um, I grew up in gymnastics. I think one of my earliest memories was signing up for gymnastics classes with my mom and I did that all throughout my childhood, all throughout school until I got to high school and then I started cheering as well Um, and I did that competitively through my high school years and then my first two years of college Um, and then my last year of college I started climbing too. So. I really enjoy all three things and I feel like it's definitely been a progression for me like physically and mentally growing into the different sports and different disciplines. Um, Gymnastics and cheer are super intense and super like training focused and then climbing has allowed me to relax a whole lot more and just enjoy what I'm doing without necessarily having you know an end goal of perfection or anything like that. So. That's pretty much where I am today, and I do a little bit of tumbling now on the side. Um, yeah. Well, it's really interesting for me because like, I think me, as well as a lot of people, think they know what gymnastics consists of. But after I started getting to talk to you and Thomas more, and also like other people, I've just been learning that there's specific events in gymnastics. Um, what were some of the events you did, and um, how, how young were you when you signed up? I signed up for gymnastics when I was five years old. Oh, wow. But I only started competing when I was 10. So I started competition a little bit later than most kids um, in the sport. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, walk me through, one, what what a practice looks like, and then two, what a competition field can look like as well. Um, well, when you're in competitive gymnastics, the sport has four different events for women's gymnastics. You have vault, bars, beam, and floor. And on a practice day, you might do two of those events. So you'll start off, come in, and you'll do stretching and warm-up, and that might be like little strengthening exercises. Um, Then you'll start on one event, and, you know, it really depends on the structure that your coaches have for practices, but I would say if you were going into a team practice at my old gym, you would start out just working your skills and then if you're in competition season you work your routines and your coach gives you feedback on your routines and you maybe do them three or four times with your coach watching um, and then go to the next event and then at the end of practice you have a wind down session where you just you know stretch and strengthen and review what you were doing oh wow yeah that makes a lot of sense what you said about in the beginning you're just working on skills and then when it hits competition mode, you actually have a routine that you're very specifically drilling. 
Yeah. The four events. Can you say them one more time? We got vaulting, floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vault, floor, uneven bars, and balance beam. Balance beam. I think everybody can envision that the floor is the tumbling work, just mm-hmm. right across the floor space. And then uh, the uneven bars. I've seen that. I find that to be like such a, a unique movement tool. Like, oh, yeah. It's just super... What's the word I'm looking for? Specific to that exact event. Two bars and how like how far apart are they? Um, so you can actually adjust them to your preference, but in general I would say they're five feet apart or so. Mm. Um okay. usually five feet apart and difference in height is um it really just depends on the gymnast and the routine. Mm. But generally, you have them far enough apart that you can do giants. That's the big swing where your body is straight and your hands are holding on. I know. You can do it on the high bar without hitting your feet on the low bar. So that's like kind of the distance. Yeah, a giant um, is like a big goal of mine to like really? get completely around the whole bar. Yeah, I've been working on like basic swings. Yeah. Um, so just like when I'm holding a, a hang, I'm working on just trying to get the two positionings. I think it's tight arch mm-hmm. position and then uh, the hollow. Hollow, yeah. So I just work on both of those and getting my swing. And I've gotten parallel to the floor, but like that's there's a long way to go to make it around the bar. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I mean, I, I would need probably you know a, a facility to support that. I haven't found anything that like lets me feel now's the time to do it. Um, and then the last one was the, we said balance beam, floor, uneven bars, and vault. vault. Is that mm-hmm. when you run and jump on a trampoline? Um, so you run and you jump on something called a springboard, which is not quite a trampoline, but it has the same function. Um, and you vault up over the table. So there are a lot of different ways to do it, but just a simple way would be run, you jump on the springboard, and then your hands go up on the table in a front hand spring and your feet come over to the other side. Mm, right, right, right. I've seen something like that that's coming up in my memory. Yeah. So you, which events did you get to do? I competed all four, mm. but my favorite one was beam. Beam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was training my back walkover, um, one of the things that one of my friends told me was, and if you want to turn it into, onto a beam, you have mm-hmm. to do this with your hands. And yeah. like you have to bring your wrists touching together so that you, while you send your hands back, they actually like land on what would be a beam. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, people do this? Like, like getting the back walk over in itself was for me so exciting. The whole process took, it took a while. I had to, a lot of, I think what a lot of people don't know about a back walk over is um, at least, well, uh, in my opinion, it's harder than a back handspring in the prerequisites required. Or like you need a you need a really clean bridge, and that bridge uh, involves hip opening, it involves thoracic opening, wrist opening. So um, one to get all that to get my back walk over, and then find out people do it on a beam. I was just like, there is yeah. levels to this. Um, but yeah, that's really exciting about the gymnastics. I love that, and then I know that you are really passionate about cheer. You went into college cheerleading as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You did some competition work. Um, why don't you just give a little synopsis about that? Because I know a lot of people, when they think of cheerleading, they usually just see it as like uh, a side entertainment for an actual game, but there's just so much practice behind the scenes. And um, I'd love to just hear what some of that practice looks like. Yeah, so like you said, with cheer, when a lot of people think of it, they think of sideline game day cheerleading, where you're just like doing chants or little routines at the side of a football game. Um, but there's a whole other side to it, which is competition cheerleading. And with competition cheerleading, you're not cheering for another sport. You have you and your teammates, and it's usually like 20 something people, and you guys have a routine that's set to music a lot of the time. Sometimes you'll have chants in it depending on the like style and division that you're in, but usually it's just set to music and you have different elements in the routine like tumbling and stunting, pyramids, basket tosses, jumps, and dance. And 
Um, Say those again. I, I just want to... I know what a pyramid would be. People are stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And then basket tosses. I'm familiar with that. It's when somebody throws a flyer into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, do you call that the base? The person who throws the flyer up? Yeah. The okay. bases will throw the flyers. Yeah. So it's the, it's the same terminology in Acre Yoga. That's why I'm familiar with it. And then... Uh, so we have yeah. the base. We have the flyer. And then you said, you said pyramids, basket tosses... Um, stunting, which is also like a building where um, you have bases holding up flyers, but you're actually up there for a longer amount of time than just a basket toss. They're holding you by your foot or feet or hands Mm. sometimes, and you have just a sequence of movements that you do up there. Right. So it's like the basket toss goes up and then they hold you with one hand or something up top. Is that what you're talking about with the stunt? Essentially, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, if you just picture like uh, a game, people holding other people up, that's mm-hmm. stunting. Right, right. Um, then there's jumps, so different kinds of jumps, like a toe touch is the one that everybody knows, but there are a whole lot of other ones. Um, and dance, and I think that was everything I mentioned. Yeah, I remember when we were just talking about doing this podcast, the one thing that you mentioned was how different um, it's set up where... In gymnastics, you're just working with the floor, but the difference of working on a team and how you're not only having to trust your own skills, but the skills of your teammates who are putting you up. Yeah. What's that like? Um, it's really fun. It's nice. really cool. It's definitely very different from doing a sport where you're by yourself. Like If you're familiar with gymnastics or climbing or yoga, you really tune into your body and your breath and your movement and everything else is pretty consistent around you. Um, But cheer, stunting is really different from that because when you're doing a stunt, you're doing it with one or two or three or four other people at a time. So even if you're doing everything exactly the same, there's always gonna be little things that are different that they're doing. So you really have to learn the people that you're stunting with and you have to know you know the stunts the motions the elements of what you're doing so well that you know how to account for the changes that they're putting into it so that it stays up yeah if i'm stunting with a new person and they're holding my feet and they're dipping my heels back in their hands right 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 if i'm not used to that it's going to make me topple over backwards Mm. so i have to know as a flyer how to compensate for that And you learn, like, this person's going to hold my foot this way, so I need to stand like this. Or this person, when they throw me up in the air, and when they, you know, flick and give me spin so that I can do a full turn, you know, they give a lot of spin, so I have to give less. It's a lot of not only learning the skill, but learning how to do the skill with a specific other person and just, like, universally learning how to explore that skill and make it work with different people. Yeah, and I, the only experience that I have with cheer, like I keep bringing up, is my acro. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like with acro yoga, it's so similar um, because it's two people, you're lifting each other up, and even the stunts can be similar depending on what style of acro yoga you do. Um, yeah. And I know you're familiar with acro yoga, um, but acro yoga is just two people that get to support each other through yogic postures. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to do like Icarian or heard of the different styles of acro yoga. I haven't. Um, so Icarian is really similar to cheer because they have pops in it that um, the the person, the base and the flyer lose contact fully. Um, so that's, mm-hmm. the, that's uh, the only style of acro where they have complete disconnect moments. So they'll do the like toss or the spin in the air and then recatch the individual. Okay. Um, but I'll say that like when I would do acro yoga, um, I didn't need somebody at the same skill set as me. That wasn't like necessarily as important as how deeply calibrated I was with a person. So like if I if I found a person that was really good at acro, I was really good at acro. uh, It didn't really mean that we could create much on the very first day, um, unless like we we took time to sink in. And so like for me like sinking in is really important. So I do a lot of breath work with the person. Um, like if we're doing L basing where I'm laying on my back and I'm about to put them up in the air, um, as they're 
like leaning in i have them inhale with me exhale on the way out and some people they like to skip that um when they get better um because like uh, i don't know like i guess they're just excited like enthusiastic to jump into the next level but i know for me like that calibration piece is so important and that's not even during pops if i want to pop somebody we need to be on the same point like we need mm-hmm. to make sure that there's everything is lined up um so yeah i can definitely understand how you're building these relationships with your bases and um i'm guessing that you're practicing this routine with the same base every time like or at least that part of the routine is with that person that part of the routine is with that person yeah yeah that makes the most sense um i guess uh when when we think about that some people think about um cheerleading they don't often think of competition they don't often think of it as a sport um i know that you fly you've seen like some of the extents of that uh Mm -hmm. the first question is like what are your thoughts on it being a sport and how you feel about that and then the second thing would be like i'll jump into the second thing but i'll say it right now i want to hear about your flying experience in general but before that um so i absolutely think that it's a sport right I think that if you asked anybody who cheered, they would say the same thing. I understand why people who weren't familiar with it would think that it wasn't, because a lot of the exposure that people have to cheer is watching an NFL game and seeing the NFL cheerleaders. And for a lot of people, that's the extent of what they think that we do. NFL cheers mostly dance, which is also a sport in and in and of itself. But what they do at the games isn't really representative of their sport as a whole, even. Um, but I think cheer is absolutely a sport. I mean, the level of athleticism that you know goes into it when you're training, when you're doing a routine, when you're competing, um, all of those things are just as intense as they are in gymnastics um, and like climbing too so yeah undeniably oh (laughs) for sure and i guess the reason why i say that or just want to bring it up it's mostly a shout out to my friend sierra she's um one of my high school friends that as i was growing up constantly kept saying cheer is a sport in my ear so like yeah i just was thinking of her especially when you told me you were a cheer a competitive cheerleader Mm -hmm. i hope she listens to this podcast um so tell me about flying, like what that experience is like for you. I know you were saying it's like one of your favorites. Yeah, flying is the reason that I fell in love with cheer. Um, the first time that I cheered, I just came to a practice with the high school when I was in eighth grade. And they put me up in a stunt and it was the weirdest feeling and I loved it. You know, you just feel weightless and you feel like you're contributing to this thing that like you know you have a bunch of control over and also like no control over at the same time um it's it's a really weird feeling to describe but I love being able to grow as a flyer and learn different things like you start off with the basics they tell you just like stand up stand straight like stand tight um don't move and squeeze all the muscles in your body. And from there, you start learning different things. You start learning, you know, when you're up there, this is how you balance on one leg, and this is like what you have to do with your hips when you're gonna do that. And you start incorporating body positions in and like building flexibility. And there's just so much that goes into it. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, I think my favorite kind of flying, which I started learning later in high school and I did throughout college was partner stunning Mm. and that's when it's just one flyer and one base and usually the base is um, a guy and the stunts that you do are generally a little bit more complicated than the ones that you do you know in high school with an all-girl group right so that was when I really started exploring the more complex movements in cheer and um, I had a really really good coach who taught me partner stunning and when we worked on it 
he wasn't like the absolute strongest person because your your base wasn't the strongest okay yeah and because of that we learned how to work really really well together efficiently efficiently yeah and like if you're a small flyer and if you have a big base who's good and he knows what he's doing and he's strong he can put you in any stunt and you don't really have to be doing anything like you can watch videos of little like five-year-old girls doing crazy stunts with their coaches and sometimes they're good but a lot of the time the reason that they're able to do those stunts is just because of the weight difference he's able to control her body he's able to control what she's doing um and he can compensate for anything those videos are so cute one of the, there's like the one of the dad and his daughter yeah and he's always throwing her and catching her that's cool they're, yeah they're so adorable um but when you're I'm not the smallest flyer, right? There are definitely people that are smaller than me. I'm a pretty average-sized flyer, and my base wasn't, like, the biggest, strongest person, but he was really, really technical. And mm. so when I was learning how to stunt, we'd try a stunt, and it wouldn't work, and we'd come down, and instead of him being like, well, I'll just throw you harder, we'd have a conversation, and he'd be like, what did you feel in that? And I'd tell him what I thought I felt, and then he told me what he felt and then he'd be like so what can i do to make this sound better for you and this then, is so beautiful yeah <laughs> communication yeah we would just have like these in-depth discussions about like what are we feeling what does it actually mean for the stunt and then like the next time we do it he'd be like okay i'm gonna try this and if it doesn't work i want you to try this and so we'd work through all of these tiny little technical details until we really understood the stunt, we really understood what each little change was going to do to it. And that really built my foundation for partner stunning, and that's what really made me, I'm going to say it again, like fall in love with flying and fall in love with cheer, was just dissecting all of these movements and learning how to, you know, make myself better and also just like make these stunts work. And through doing that, I got to a place where I was like a really good technical flyer in partner sense. Like that was the thing that I stood out with when I was, you know, cheering, working with people and like trying out for college cheer. But it was all because of building those foundations with that coach. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it reminds me a lot of my own experiences where like whenever I would base, I always had to... Uh, pay attention to every angle like way to support the other person because I didn't have the luxury of strength to fix it if it if it went wrong Um, so I did go to one cheerleading class and it was uh, for basket tosses and with that there was two two bases one flyer and so I was with the base and um, when I was with that base they they had to be my size so we're both really really um just undersized compared to these other bases and it was being taught by this cheerleader of the 76ers um so he's like launching people and he's like just really really uh shows strength and power like like when i imagine strength and power he's one of the people i imagine so I, we're taking the lesson and i just remember like me and my partner had to have so much conversation with each other about timing like we needed our timing completely on point and I know like some people may have had the strength um although timing is really important in that drill no matter what because like if one person's off the flyer goes crooked into the air um so yeah that that's just something that I relate with and often whenever I have to uh dive into strength categories where I'm trying to like lift people is like a technique, technique, technique and how to uh, get that to the point where I can support and create. Um, But yeah, Uh, have you gotten to try acro yoga? I have, yeah. Oh, cool. Started doing it a little bit right before the pandemic. Okay. So. Couple weeks? Um, A few months, but only going once a week or so. Oh, you were going to the classes at Earth Trucks? I went to a couple of classes, and then I was also working with somebody um, just nice. like on her own. 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What What are some of the differences between cheer and acro? Um, I would say just comparing the partner stunning element of cheer and acro. I feel like acro is a lot more about flow and exploration and cheer is a lot more about power and doing things perfectly and making them look like they're perfect and the whole goal with cheer is to do a stunt well and hide any flaws in it when you're stunting and I feel like if you're doing yoga you're a lot more accepting of things that do happen versus in cheer um it's almost like the the difference between acro yoga and cheer is the difference between yoga and gymnastics yeah Yeah. wow we did it (laughs) (laughs) what analogy that's cool i dig it so um i remember some of your story you ended up signing up for an elective um last you just had to pick an elective it was your last semester at school and you picked Mm -hmm. rock climbing on a whim is that how it went down yeah i needed one more credit hour to be full-time and have my financial aid and i was like what class can i take that's going to be super easy and like not stressful at all and i saw that they offered intro to rock climbing so i took that and um, really enjoyed it yeah Yeah. i mean to the point where that's what you primarily practice these days Mm -hmm. yeah i saw i mean that's where we met at the rock climbing gym Mm -hmm. and um I know that, like, for me, I mean, I categorize you as a very strong climber. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. Like, I, I think so. So um, I see that you're, like, invested. Like, it, you, nobody gets V6s and 7s going once a month. You know, it, it's, it takes time to mm-hmm. develop that kind of uh, grip strength and practice. Um, what's it been like climbing? Um Climbing's been great. I I really enjoy it as a sport. I think it's a lot of fun that it involves not only a physical challenge, but a mental challenge every time you get on the wall. Like, I see boulders as puzzles. Um, and so when you're climbing physically, you're getting a workout, but also there's a problem-solving aspect to it, and I really enjoy that. Um, A lot of the time when I go to the gym and climb, I just do it to kind of relax and decompress after work or sometimes to socialize. And, you know, I don't really focus on trying to get better or like trying to send V7. A lot of it is just trying to feel like I'm doing things well. And that might just be little bits of um, psychology left over from gymnastics about wanting to do a climb right. But either way, I really enjoy the feeling of just going up there and working on a climb until it feels like I'm doing it smoothly and perfectly. So that's a lot of how I train. Um, But yeah, I feel like the biggest thing is just that I don't try and put pressure on myself. I just enjoy it as it comes. Yeah, I think there's like two major spectrums one one spectrum and on two sides of that spectrum there's like the playful exploration approach and then there's like the disciplined training approach on the other side and um i think for anybody to excel you need both mm-hmm. um and and uh i'm not the one to claim it first I, it's actually some of my teachers are the ones that told me this but it's something that i started seeing in a lot of different modalities like I look at um, Muhammad Ali greatest boxer um, and he you see him in the ring and he's like really playful like that's like his big thing like and it's not only him like I look at other fighters like uh, Anderson Silva or uh, Israel Adesanya and they're they're just like the best of the best um, they, 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 they're like laughing while they're moving. And I, I've just noticed that the playful exploratory spirit, um, is something that tends to be under, um, ex- under explored. Like, like people don't talk about that 
as much as they talk about the training discipline style style of move of movement uh like yeah. if you imagine like a motivational video they're constantly showing like you gotta wake up at 4 a.m you gotta and they, they create this like mirage of what health looks like um mm-hmm. i know for you you were saying that there's been different mindsets that you've experienced between these different cultures of movement um you want to just highlight some of the things you've learned in that sure um starting with gymnastics i would say the mindset in gymnastics is perfection in every movement that you do you train really really hard but there's this saying um i don't know if i've ever said it to you before but it's practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect Mm. and that's pretty much how i view gymnastics um mindset so when you're in there you're training really really hard to do everything exactly the same and exactly right every it's how you time. cue me too which i love it yeah <laughs> like it, it's in a way that like i really welcome it is you you say that was that was good but your hands need to be up at the end of your cartwheel that was good but your hips are slightly rotated like it was it, there's a, a rule book there's mm-hmm. a way to do it um somebody's figured out how to build these patterns so that you can progress fast and so that's the way it's trained yeah a lot of the perspective is looking at things as like the deviation from the ideal that deviation is what you try and change Mm. so like when you look at a handstand you see the handstand but in your head you also see you know it's slightly different than what it should be and here's why Um, right so that's a lot of the mindset with gymnastics that could get really unhealthy absolutely um it's definitely something that affects a lot of athletes and it manifests in a lot of different ways if somebody really enjoys gymnastics i think that they can handle it really well but sometimes you see kids who are in the sport because they're being pushed into it through other people like maybe their parents want them to do really well in gymnastics and then they're in this sport that's constantly telling them you're not doing this right, you're not doing this well enough. And if they're not there because they love it, then it's just a really toxic environment. Um, So yeah, and like, I think it's also one of the reasons that eating disorders are so prevalent in that sport as well, is because you're trying to control every aspect of your routine. And let's say there's a skill you're struggling with and you can't control it, like you still have that hunger to control things. And so that can also lead to it, to you taking that into different places in your life. Um, Yeah. You know, there's a lot of really good lessons that come from that mindset, but also a lot of things that can be dangerous if you're not handling them in a healthy way. Yeah, and it's something that I really take time to balance in my own lifestyle because I train like a madman like i mean i i I train i think hard um yeah as many hours as i can a day and uh with that like i think a lot of people look at it and probably think i do a lot of sets and reps but it it needs to be so balanced with friends and hangouts in between and hangouts while moving like um on fridays like when we tumble together that's like how i imagine how I like to train like that's how Mm -hmm. I want to train is people getting together and just exploring their bodies um I think sometimes I find myself too far on one end of the spectrum like maybe I'll be too much training involved and it, it can really quickly start turning itself on you you start looking at things as like like oh that wasn't good enough oh like and then and it becomes a really negative um conversation in your mind where you're just constantly self-critiquing um but i mean with it comes so much positivity too like like my self-criticism is what lets me develop and build and then sometimes i mean on the other end of it you can become so playful that there's no progress Mm -hmm. um so i'll see like uh like uh i'll see dancers that just people who really like to dance but they don't care to train and that's Mm -hmm. perfectly fine they're at the club they're having a good time um but because of it constantly being so so playful 
there's no like uh, like uh, language that they've developed in their body so like hypothetically like if you're uh, uh, what uh, and any style of dance you have to develop your language you have to develop your moves so you can say a sentence um, and if you don't develop the words you can't have as much fun so it's like if you're so mm -hmm. playful that you're not developing your diction then it's like difficult to also find some of the fruits that can be found from training and discipline where you get that language and so i i just know that in my own personal life i'm always trying to jump between both and like find constant balance and sometimes i'm in a season where i'm training reps and sets and it feels really good and then sometimes i'm mm -hmm. like i just wanted to climb with friends <laughs> like i don't really care about uh, warm up, warming up properly, cooling down properly. Well, I warm up because yeah. I don't want to get injured. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. But you were saying about the gymnastics mindset. Well, how about cheerleading? How about uh, climbing? Um, I would say that the mindset for cheerleading is fairly fairly similar to gymnastics. There are definitely more elements that go into it because instead of you working on just perfecting yourself you're working with a team of people so with cheer one of the things that's a lot more prevalent there's the sense of like doing it for your teammates and mm. not just for yourself mm. you still want to be doing everything right you still want to be like doing a routine that has zero deductions, right? Zero falls in stunts, zero falls in tumbling or anything like that. But you also wanna be doing a routine where you know that each one of your teammates is doing their best for everybody else and that you're doing your best for everybody else because you've been with all these people through all of these practices and you know, they've come to practice when they're sick and they've worked on this routine so that you can all have this chance. You know, you've pushed through this injury because you want to have this chance with your teammates to do your best at the competition. So there's a lot more, like, thinking about the group that you're with. Um, and just like with gymnastics, that can be a really positive thing, but also a really negative thing too mm. when you'll have athletes that are competing on very bad injuries because they feel guilty because mm. they don't want to take themselves out of the routine because they know that that's going to decrease the chance that their team is successful right but at the same time you have athletes who are doing things out of love for other people so it's definitely got a lot of sides to it for sure um but that's the big thing with cheer is just being part of a group and doing a sport where you're not the only person that you're thinking about. Um, and I'm sure that applies through a lot of other team sports. I've just never done another team sport. So. Yeah, that, that was the first thing that happened in my head when you were saying all that was flashbacks to me in football or other yeah. sports where like people working through injury. Like I remember uh, when I was in football, um, one of my friends, I, I barely played. I was like fourth string. But one of my friends, he was the uh, running back and he got tackled. And like at the time, I didn't know what it was. Like now that I have my PT knowledge, I still don't know exactly what happened. Like maybe it was a shoulder dislocation, but his shoulder swelled up like oh. crazy. And uh, all he did was pop it back in place. And it, the coach was like, oh, you shouldn't go back in. He's like, no, I'm ready. And that, like in the moment, it's pretty admirable. Um, but another part of me thinks like now, like it's only high school football. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth the shoulder dislocation just yet. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's what it was, um, but I just know that like at the time I was like, this is serious business. Um, so yeah, I, could, I can see how that, that mentality that you're talking about with um, team play, being on a team and like how important it is to show up mm -hmm. yeah i didn't know you played football ah oh, man i like so so little that i rarely would ever say it um just like something that i had to do to get i guess uh just because i really wanted to prove it to the world that i could i weighed 90 pounds and uh. i was in ninth grade <laughs> 
And so I was like, I'm playing football, and everyone was like 150, 180, whatever. And uh, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, tell me about climbing. Um, so climbing is the first sport that I've gotten into as an adult. And I think that because of that, I definitely have a different mindset in it than I had in these other sports. Um, this might not apply if you're in competitive climbing or like being coached by somebody, but for me, climbing is something I do for myself. So I actively try and let go of a lot of the pressure that I put on myself in the other sports in my past. Um, with climbing, I'm basically just focused on having fun. I love seeing improvement, like doing, you know, my first non-slab V7 is a really exciting moment, but those moments aren't the ones that I work for. I just work for the moments where I can get off the wall and be like, wow, that felt really good. And, you know, that movement was really fun. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I feel like I had great footwork on that climb or whatever, but instead of it being about like doing everything perfectly every time, it's just about like I guess accepting the way that I climb and learning to grow through that. Yeah. I remember the word you used was exploratory. Mhm. Mm I love that. Yeah. I I don't remember who, but somebody described me as a whimsical climber and I think that was like the best compliment that I've ever gotten because that's exactly how it feels and like that's how I want to climb is just like going in and just like doing what you feel you know no expectations and if I go into a boulder problem and do every single move completely differently than the person that I'm climbing with I just think that that's so cool and then watching another person go up to it and like do everything else their way. Um, I really love that about this sport. Yeah. So it's like totally opposite of gymnastics where it's like, here's how you do your back handspring and then nobody should do it differently. Climbing is like, do everything the way that works for you. Right. So. Yeah, yeah I love that. And I just love the imagery of behind it too, of like you on the wall getting to explore. Um, I feel like a lot of people that uh, may be listening to this, they don't get the chance to like really, uh, I guess, look at fitness in these modalities. Like I, I feel like uh, for us, we're really lucky that we have like different tool sets to uh, explore movement in besides for uh, just traditional workouts. Um, so yeah, I think that's really fun. And that, that's also been similar to my experience too, like where it's been really exploratory with climbing i would say the same for me with dance um dance more so than climbing like with climbing i am at times more aggressive i'm like oh i want to get better and i like as soon as yeah. i think that i want to start drilling and i want to do training methods with it um but with dance that's when i just come in and i just put on music and it's a lot of like like just ex exploration let's see what happens within my body as i start to move it mm -hmm. What kind of dance do you do? Um, so, I mean, primarily hip-hop. That's, like, okay. what, where most of my dancing is in. Um, so I do different styles under hip-hop. It's not only one style when it comes to hip-hop dance. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's tricky. I can't even say I can really define all the styles, but I think some of the ones that, like, uh, stick out that are very easily dividable is popping. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of popping. Um, I've heard the word, but I don't know what it means. Sure. So, I mean, it's a quick contraction. So, here, here, here. So, okay. I'm, like, quickly contracting my muscles and then relaxing them as fast as I can. And you do it with the, like, the beat. So, if it's, like, if the beat's, like, boom, ka, boom, boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, boom, ka. So, uh, like, uh, on the snares, you're doing these quick uh, contractions of the muscle. Uh, there's locking. Locking is very happy. Uh, there's house. Um Maybe some people might say house isn't under hip hop because it's under house music. Um, breaking, um, there's. Is breaking like break dancing or is it different? Yeah, the people that break uh, don't call it break dancing. Okay. Yeah, that's like a faux pas. Um, 
it's gotcha. yeah because i i don't know the exact history i should look it up especially you know now that i'm like getting to speak about it on a podcast i should be more accurate about it but <laughs> i'm pretty sure what what had happened was the way that breaking went down was uh in during the 70s early 70s there was disco music and in mm-hmm. disco music there was the break in which uh the drum set went off and the singer stopped singing so that was called the break and what happened was whenever people when the break would play people that were dancing would get on the floor right um so they would be breaking at that time and what happened was one dj uh had come out i i don't know the dj i think it was dj cool herc but i could be mistaken so he comes out and what he does is he actually just starts mixing one break right after the next break one mm-hmm. so like he plays one disco song but he only plays the break and then he, right after that break ends, he has the second DJ turntable and he plays another break. And so it's just drums and drums and drums. And so people are just dancing to these breaks. And um, at that time, they started calling them uh, B-boys, so break boys. Um, and uh, what happened was as it started catching wind and it started getting more globalized and this all this is all happening, I'm pretty sure, in Brooklyn. Uh, so it's like a really impoverished community that's just dancing to have fun. And all of a sudden it it takes over the whole world, this hip hop scene. Um, There's a lot more to the story. It's actually such a cool story where like, um, there's uh, this person's playing the breaks and then there's a person who's like on the mic, just like saying things to their friends, like, hey, I see you over there. Hey, I see you over there. But there's a drum beat. So they start doing things like, hey, I see you over there with the crazy hair. And that's how like rapping started. Um, wow. Yeah, and so it's really crazy. I mean, like, it's really crazy to see how much hip hop has transformed the whole world from just this small community that came up with it. Because like, you go to any country, like, I mean, like, I, I can speak about India, like, like hip hop is just like prevalent in Bollywood music. Like, it's just like, really? it, yeah, it's everywhere. Like, I mean, like, it, so many people are inspired by the movement in it. Um, but anyways, as it was taking over the world, some of the news media wanted people to understand it easier, so they started calling it breakdancing. Um, but the the people who created the culture never came up with that term. Okay. So they always called it breaking, and that's how it's even still referred to, to those who are in the culture. Um, so I hope I got that right, <laughs> that story. It's been a while since uh, I, I got to watch the documentaries and do my research in it. But um, yeah, that that's uh, breaking and hip hop is where I started. I went into other couple styles, um, salsa, bachata, mm-hmm. Latin dancing. Um, I took like one, what is it called? Um, ballroom. I did some one ballroom class at Penn State. Um, so I did like a little bit of waltz, tango, all that stuff. But yeah, that that's where I, I was just saying I find a little bit of my personal expression. Sarah, um, on your end though, I wanted to say I find it so cool that um, when I see you at the gym and you're like finishing up with your climbing and stuff, you still um, maintain your love for gymnastics where I see you like at the end, you do a little bit of basic tumbling. Mm -hmm. Um, You're doing like backflips real quick, like uh, you get a couple backhand springs in. And I remember I saw you and I asked you, Oh, like you, you have a good split. That's what I said to you. And you're like, I want to keep it for the rest of my life. And that was yeah. like the first phrase you said to me. And I go, that's awesome. Um, what, why don't you go ahead and just talk to me about like what it means to train as an adult and like maintain your skills and why that's meaningful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of what I do right now, tumbling wise and flexibility-wise is just trying to maintain a base level of what I'd like to be able to do for a long time. Um, After each climbing session, I do at least 10 back tucks, as long as I'm feeling good, Um, and sometimes other tumbling too. And I like to do the back tucks because that was a skill that I worked really hard on. It took me like over a year. It took me over a year to get my back tuck consistently when I was cheering and just thinking about all the hard work that went into it, that's a skill that I want to work hard to keep for a long time. 
I think it would break my heart the day that I like tried to do it and couldn't do it anymore. Um, for me, being able to do it makes me feel like I still have a level of athleticism that I worked hard for. Sorry. <laughs> Anyone who's uh, wondering why Sarah's saying sorry, it's because we're at her place right now and her kitty uh, is eating the coconut cake um, that she set out. So it's kind of humorous watching your cat right now just <laughs> being mischievous, I guess. Um, but we put away the coconut cake. And uh, yeah, so, so you were just saying about the uh, back tucks and how it's um, a skill you worked hard for and how it would break your heart if one day you couldn't. So you, you maintain it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I accept that inevitably at some point in my life, I will no longer be able to do a back tuck, but right now I can still do them and it just feels good to be able to stay connected to movements that I've done in the past through doing them. Um, stretching wise, stretching is just something that I think feels really good. And whenever I go to the gym to climb, I start my climbing session with probably 20 minutes of warm-up and stretching, and I end it with the same thing, um, with the same stretching routine. And I just do that every time because if I don't stretch, my body feels tight while I'm climbing and just in everyday life too. So for me to feel, to feel good while I'm climbing and to feel good like in general, I have to have that element of stretching. It's also kind of a meditation thing as well, just coming into the gym and having that time to relax and think like, you know, I'm getting ready to climb, what do I want to do today? And, you know, maybe watching other people climb and just getting in tune with how my body's feeling for the day. So that's like the big thing with stretching for me. Um, yeah, for sure. I find that so admirable whenever I see a person who maintains their skill set. Like, um, I, I was telling you about this earlier. Like whenever I get the chance to treat a patient that used to be a former athlete, um, maybe they're in their 60s at, the, at this time, and I I wouldn't even know that they're a former athlete. Like I, I just like am moving, and sometimes in the clinic I'm doing handstands. I, I act a fool. I'll start doing cartwheels with my coworkers. And um, one of my patients will go, I used to do that. And I think to myself, um, like, well, why'd you stop? Like, that's the first thing that goes on in my head. Um, and sometimes, I, I never ask it. Well, sometimes I ask it, and they'll say, oh, um, if I kept doing that, I would have hurt myself. And I think to myself, well, the reason why you're here is because you stopped doing that. And, um, like, to develop so much poise in your body from your gymnastics background, um, to develop so much poise from your cheerleading background. And I know a lot of people, they've, as children get the chance to develop this um, connection to their body, but then lose it by working at a nine to five job where your movement becomes restricted, the patterns you enter in your lifestyle are restricted. Uh, for me, it's the it's the saddest thing. I mean, like as a PT, it makes me sad, but also mm -hmm. just as a person who enjoys playing and having fun, it makes me sad. Um, like what, what used to be uh, gaming with friends like football games or basketball games has become become pen clicking at the office like yeah. uh, and and that's like it, it almost shows the person really wants to play like the, like there's an urge in their body to want to move to play so it escapes their body in foot tapping it escapes mm -hmm. their body and they start playing with their pen they start trying to just like find some sort of way to create movement because their body's yearning for it so um yeah like all in all uh i think it's really exciting that you get to keep your skills i think it one thing we glossed over that we could have a whole nother podcast episode about is the the small phrase you said where you said um i know ultimately i will lose those skills uh, i think that's like a huge topic right there that we could explore because it's important to remember that that like even as we're building these uh, these components in our body it's not for the idea of preservation for the rest of our lives like I, I know I'm going to lose my handstand one day um, and I train it every day with the understanding that it's leaving one day as well um, 
It's so sad to think about. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think um, it's it's sad to think about if you're hooked on the handstand part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm really ex- ex- enjoying the people, the culture, the the experience, and for sure I will. I, I'm sad about that idea as well. I can't pretend like, oh, I'm I'm totally disconnected from my handstand no no no. i i i I really appreciate my handstand and uh it it's something that i definitely define myself with to an extent at this point because i've spent so many hours developing it um but at the same time i think now's the time for us to remember that like it's more than just uh developing a skill but it's also uh, enjoying the journey of developing that skill because that skill comes and goes but the lessons are hopefully something we can hold on to yeah absolutely and as you're talking about people later in their lives feeling like oh I could have you know I used to be able to do these things and you know now I can't I think it's also really important to remember that like no matter where you're at physically it's not too late to start doing something if you want to do it and there's a lot of people that we've met who in their 20s they're like oh well I should have learned like gymnastics when I was a kid but I don't know how to do any tumbling it's Mm. like well you know doesn't mean that you can't start trying to learn things like depending on where you are in your life you might not be able to like you know get to an extreme level of whatever sport you're starting to do or you might not be able to get like fully into a split if you're trying to start stretching but I think a lot of people think oh well since I can't do it now there's no point in trying right and I think there's always merit in you know starting something new or trying to improve something um because you want to so yeah and I I definitely give a lot of love uh, I'm sure I will in this podcast if I haven't already to Ido Portal. He's somebody that I just like really watch his interviews. I love his material. I train mm-hmm. under one of his studios. Um, and uh, in one of his interviewers interviews, the guy says, when do you look at a client and say like, it's too late for you? You know, like, like, because uh, Ido has trained anybody at any age. And they're like, like, when do you say like, I, I'm sorry, you can't develop that knee flexibility. I'm, like, you can't squat again. I'm so, and uh, it's, a, it's a conversation that I'm constantly having with my patients as well. And I loved Ido's answer. He said, he said, you can develop like new neural pathways. You can develop new cells the day before you die. He's like, the day before you die, you can develop a new neural pathway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and if there's no other reason to do it but that, that's the reason to do it and so i mean i guess we i'll I'll leave it at that but um it's been uh so amazing having you on this podcast sarah like i'm really grateful that you took the time to sit on this um is there anything you wanted to say before i um just thank you for having me (laughs) yeah for sure yeah no seriously sarah i mean like i'm really grateful that how much perspective you have on movement you uh come from such a eclectic background but also the mind space you share in it oh it's just such an honor so uh thank you so much sarah you've made this so fun to get to talk about i've learned a lot and uh i hope we can do it again yeah me too and thank you nor oh so so much fun sarah there was one thing actually that i thought of um Earlier, I mentioned that NFL cheer is, like, not really representative of cheer, and it's more dance than anything else, but the Baltimore Ravens and a couple other teams actually do have real cheer, stunting, and tumbling at an elite level, and I know a couple of people who have been on that team, so I feel like I just do have to mention and shout out that that is legitimate cheerleading. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. <laughs> no problem, no problem. No, we it made it in. I almost I almost stopped the recording, but
We got okay. it all. Okay. I just don't want to offend anybody. No, no, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I'll just say this because we're at, as as we're keeping this podcast going. All the love for everybody who's choosing to move their body in any way. Um, maybe at times I might suggest one way is better than another, but truly it's not, and I'm really appreciative of it. So, um, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> thank you, Nora. <laughs>